Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. All right, welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is Jimmy Helmick. Often I have guests who have left the corporate world to do their own thing. But I think it's equally important to hear from people who are still in the corporate world and are able to, uh, I would say, navigate the sometimes challenging waters with a really healthy and productive perspective. And, and Jimmy's definitely one of those people. In fact, I found that he seems to handle every aspect of his life with uh, a really healthy and, and productive perspective. Whenever I talk to him, I'm, I'm just impressed with the level of calm that, that he exudes. And it's not by accident. You know, he's been very intentional about designing his life based on minimalist principles. And being intentional, focusing on those essentials, it's a huge part of achieving affordable freedom. So I'm pumped to have this conversation today. Jimmy, what's up, my man? Thanks man, for coming on. Man, what an on. intro. Holy cow. I think we can just cut it right there. I, there's nothing I can say that would make it seem better. <laughs> yeah, We're that's done. it. Thank We're you. Done. Mic drop, man. Shortest podcast ever. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> so it's funny. Jimmy and I were actually supposed to have this conversation a few hours ago, but my calendar got overwhelming today. Um, and, and I kind of frankly did a bad job of recognizing this constraint in advance. And so I said to him, I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. Uh, but I had a meeting before I've got another meeting after coming up in about an hour and a half. And I'm just feeling like overwhelmed right now. So I don't know if this is a good time to record. And you know, Jimmy, being the guy he is, he's like, whatever, no big deal. So we rescheduled for later in the afternoon. But I found it interesting because this whole scenario just kind of reinforces how important these minimalist principles are, Jimmy, that you always talk about and that you and I have have had conversations about in the past. Because like I said in the intro, essentializing is is probably the best way. It's, it's part of affordable freedom. And I think it's probably the best way to combat mm-hmm. overwhelm. You know, and I think it can go a long way toward preventing mm-hmm. burnout, which and yes, even though I ditch corporate, I'm still as susceptible as anyone to burning out. And I feel like sometimes I'm actually on the verge of going down that mm-hmm. path again. So anyway, long winded way to say, Jimmy, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how you address this issue, mm-hmm. you know, that that's probably affecting every listener in some way or another, but just of controlling our calendars versus letting our calendars yeah. control us. Well, actually, I think Stephen Covey probably said it best. And I've, I know I talk about this a lot, but basically it talks about like scheduling your priorities versus prioritizing your schedule. Um, and so the whole concept is like, what's the most important thing? And, and, and I always think it's interesting that the root of the word priority is before all others, right? So there's one priority, whether we want to admit to it or not. And we'll talk about prioritizing lists and listing all the priorities and putting them in order and all that stuff. But really there's, you know, one thing that comes before all else. And then you just kind of filter in, and after that, it's almost like the the example we've all heard people talk about, like how many, you know, we fill up a jar with ping pong balls and now what else can we fit in there? It's full. Well, then you can put fit pebbles in after that. And then you put, you know, 
sand in after that and then water in after that. But if you did it the other way around, you wouldn't fit everything else. So in that example, assume that the ping pong balls are the most important things. So that's what goes on your schedule. Um, and you got to kind of really think just like physical clutter and any kind of clutter, you basically have three main categories, right? You have what you need, you have what you love or what might help you live your values, you know, most, most fully. And then you have junk and your calendar is not really that different. Um, so your calendar and, and one of the things that I've really been experimenting with more after reading um, a couple of good books about it is um, time boxing. And so using that to really, um, really prioritize what you're working on, because even still you may have conflicting, you may have conflicting priorities, right? And, and that's up to individuals to kind of understand and know. Uh, but that's probably the biggest reason that people, um, that people overcommit is because they're trying to like squeeze in a whole bunch of things and there's all these different reasons and we can justify it all, but you have to be honest with yourself. You have to question it. You have to curate it. You have to make time for it. Um, so that's probably like probably the biggest thing, uh, to do is make sure you are, you are focused on that. Um, it's almost like a budget, you know, like, uh, people really shy away from budgeting. Um, and you're the financial guy, right? So, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, but, uh, it's the same with your time. You know, you figure out what you want to do with everything and that actually ends up freeing you up more. Um, and it makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah. So I guess that's probably the first, the first, um, the first point to make on, on managing your calendar. The second time is that we always underestimate what things take to do. (laughs) So you may think you've scheduled a half an hour meeting, but you've actually, uh, you've already started thinking about it. You're going to have to have time to prep for it. You're going to have to have time to like download from it. So a half an hour meeting might actually take a couple hours of your time or it might go over. The conversation might be super interesting or whatever. And so we don't, we don't give ourselves enough grace for that, that, that downtime. Like we naturally want to fill up every corner of our house with stuff. We want to fill up every minute of our calendar with things because if we don't, then we just don't feel useful. So we naturally overcommit. Um, and we do that because we let other people kind of dictate it. So, you know, we've all heard the phrase, lack of planning on your part doesn't account for an emergency on mine <laughs> kind of thing, but we're still want to be helpful. We still want to be useful. We still want to be doing those things, which um, gets to kind of another big point in, in, in the word no. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the minimalist approach is like the same. It's the same kind of concept, no matter what we're talking about. It's, it's not about like depriving yourself. It's about like removing uh dead weight for like the most important things. And in our lives and in our business, and especially like as a solopreneur, it's like, it's easy to get like caught up in, I need to do a thousand things today. I need to do this and that. But if you're a fan of Pareto, which I am, you know that 20% of your actions account for 80% of your results. So is it a 20% or is it an 80%, you know? And so I think that's what you kind of have to think about and, and how you want to spend your time. Right. And that's where the time boxing really, uh, really comes in. Yeah. 
when you were talking about, um, you know, having this uh, extra space, like we don't want to have extra space in our homes. We want to fill up every part of our home. And then, you know, we don't want to have open space on our calendar because maybe subconsciously we think we're being lazy or we're not being productive or whatever. And it, it makes me think of like the old awkward silence, like when you're having a conversation and there's a little bit of silence can be really good. But a lot of times we get really awkward or, or uncomfortable with that. So I wonder why is that? Do you have thoughts about why people are like afraid of creating space? Mm, that's a really uh, interesting question. I, I don't I don't I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's easier to figure out like why we want to stay busy. Uh, you know, because, you know, we just, we hate being bored. You know, we need dopamine. Uh, we need to keep ourselves active. I mean, that's healthy, right? That keeps us eating, that keeps us um, clothed, that keeps us for like, you know, cleaning ourselves and it keeps us for like doing all the things, escaping, pre- like all the things that makes us want to do things. Um, I think the the space concept that's more societal and more about the consumerism, you know, like, uh, when you look at magazines and you have, you know, you look at the pictures, there's, the rooms are filled with stuff, filled with stuff. It's, you know, all the, all the pictures with words up there that you may or may not buy into, or you just got it cause it was cute or you got it cause it was on sale. But, you know, we want to fill up our space because like, it's almost like signaling, like how, how, how cool you are, like how good of a, a wife you are or how like, I don't know artistic or uh, uh, quirky or whatever. It's like we're trying to do that to like impress people or something. Uh, I think that the the time constraint is a little bit different. I think we, but kind of the same. So it's, we want to, we just want to be busy. We think if we're busy, then, um, then we're being productive, which couldn't be farther from the truth. And if we, if we're busy, then people aren't going to bug us to do something else that we don't want to do. Like there's a whole, there's a whole, we could probably talk for a day about that. <laughs> yeah, you brought up a good point where um, a lot of it is just kind of society. It's not really us. We've just been conditioned to be this way, which to me makes it easier to like confront it because I could say, okay, I am this way, but it's not necessarily my fault. It's because I was conditioned in a society that makes me think this way. You know, um, in terms of even just like working, we think of working in like, a linear fashion, right? Like if we put in an hour of work, then we're going to get an hour of production. If we put in two hours of work, we're going to get two hours of production and so on and so on. So we have to be putting in the labor, putting in the grind in order to be successful. And that's just not the case. If you look at the most successful people out there, it's exponential. It's not linear. It may take a really long time of doing the right things. And then eventually you get to a point where everything Mm kind of comes together. So have you found that to be the case? Like I know like getting into minimalism, it's, it's a big change for a lot of people. And I assume it was probably a big, you know, shift for you. It's not something you do overnight. So do you think of it in those terms of just like one small thing that you can do at a time and then over time it just kind of compounds or, or how do you think of making that trans transition? In yeah. Terms of your um, well, so, so you, you know, the listeners probably, um, don't really know, but you know, I, I cut my teeth in manufacturing. So I was in manufacturing for a long time. I was big into lean manufacturing and Six Sigma and all that stuff. And and I've always naturally, um, been pretty adept at streamlining and simplifying 
things and I would take it incrementally like this, take this out, take this out, take this out, take this out. And you get to a point where, um, where suddenly like you, you can't, you don't have anything else to cut and whatever you have left with is like the most productive way, um, possible. So in, 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 in like the real world and life, like it's kind of the same thing. So it's like, you just, you just kind of look at it and be like, you know, question it. Like, is this serving my purpose, you know? And, and to step back even further, most of us don't take the time to figure out what our purpose or passion or our values or identity or whatever you want to say. Like we actually don't know what's most important to us. And I think you and I both kind of went through that. Like, we were doing again, like what society expected us to do. Like, um, we, we, we did good in school. Why? So you can get into a good college. Why? So you can get a good job. Why? So you can get a spouse. Why? So you can have kids and and one and a half pets. And like, you just do those things because you were supposed to do it. Now our parents were a different generation and they went through the depression and they went through all these things. So they made sure that we were going to college and they made sure that we got a good job because that was the most important thing. And, you know, I know personally, I never had a conversation uh, with my dad about like what I wanted to do. And, and it was all about what I could do and how could I use that to make the most money? (laughs) So I was good at math. You need to be an engineer. Okay. (laughs) I didn't actually do that, but, uh, that, that was like always the discussion. It wasn't like, well, what do you love? You know, it wasn't like, um, you know, that just wasn't part of their vocabulary. And even now my dad thinks I'm crazy on this whole minimalism thing. But, um, but I do think that's like the first, the first domino that needs to fall is like, why am I doing this? Why do I really care? What is most important to me? Because that's the only way that you know, if what you're doing is what you want to be doing is valuable to you. Um, and just, and, and everything else is just what society has put upon us. Like we don't, we don't, we wouldn't naturally be on Amazon all the time. We wouldn't naturally be on TikTok for, you know, hours a day. We, you know, that's not something that, that we do, right? Like ancestrally, like that's not what they're going to do. We're going to spend our time resting and hunting and fleeing predators and like all that stuff. Like, um, so we've, but we, we fill up our days with these other things because we don't have to worry about predators. Really. We don't have to worry about getting food really, but you know, we are always wanting to like be on the go and fill up stuff and impress and all that stuff. And I don't know. So one of the other things that you mentioned, Jimmy, was you, you talked about budgeting time, you know, kind of the same way that you budget money. And I've been thinking about this a lot more, um, because you know, I, I've started to realize that time is more valuable than money. And I know that's kind of like a, a cliche sort of saying out there. And I think a lot of people say it, but they don't actually internalize like what it means. But but time really is more valuable. And so when I think of like investing, right, I think not just investing your money, but investing your time, because ultimately, if you're investing your time doing things that make you the best version of yourself, you're going to become more valuable. You're going to be able to monetize your value and ultimately your, your wealth will grow over time. Um, so I really like that, you know, how, how you can kind of budget your time. Then that takes me to where you were talking about, like really getting to the priority, right? And, and like you said, there can only be one true priority. So 
how do you suggest somebody, you know, really get honest with themselves to figure out what the priority is? I mean, it's a, it's a difficult thing I think for a lot of people do, but, but how do you guide people in your conversation? Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because the conversations end up getting there no matter what we're talking about. (laughs) So like, if people want to talk to me about clothes or if people want to talk to me about like kitchen gadgets, or if people want to talk to me about paper clutter or digital or, or calendar clutter, it comes to be like, well, what's the most important thing on your calendar right now? Why, <laughs> why is it so important to leave the clothes or to, to trim down your, your, your kitchen stuff? It, it's a lot of, it's a lot of whys and it's a lot of like, um, it's a lot of discussion. One thing that people underestimate um, that I tend to ask the question is like, what makes you angry? Like what makes you sad? What makes you feel shame? What makes you feel guilt? And all those emotions that we tend to um, put off to the side or try to immediately fix with whatever, you know, um, those are extremely valuable data points. Like if you look at what makes you angry and you really think about that for a few minutes, like why did that make me angry? Why did that? And then, well, pretty soon, like you get to the real, real thing that's really important to you. So you know, when my kids uh, fight, like, or, or if they break something or if they lose something or if they, whatever they make, like, I never get mad at them about that, but I get really angry when they are disrespectful to each other because they won't do it to anybody else. You know, they, they, they won't do it to me. They won't do it to other adults. They won't even do it to their friends, but they'll do it to each other. And that really makes me angry because I care so much about their relationship with each other. And and, and, um, you know, in the family. So like this just happened the other night. And so I think that's one way to know like what's really important to you. Um, and i I know I've already mentioned seven habits once, but I'll do it again. You're welcome, Stephen Covey. Um, you know, you know, he, he talks about, he talks about that a lot. Like what are your values? And if you look at what the opposite of that could be, that could give you a good hint on what you consider to be the most important. Um, so that was actually one of the biggest, um, turning points in my journey was trying to figure that out. And frankly, before you figure that out, like everything is essentially a a distraction, right? So if you don't know what you're trying, what do they say? Like, uh, if you don't know where you're going, any path will lead you there kind of thing. So it's like, you really need Mm. to know, like, you really need to know where you're headed. Like you really need to know what you want to be. And no one can answer that for you. But when I talk to people, it's, it's that why, and it's, well, tell me about this. And it's like, well, what do you think here? And it's a very, it's a very personal, um, personal situation. And we all kind of end up getting to the same place, you know, like we all, we all like love our families. We all want to leave a good legacy. We, we want to do what's right. We want to help our fellow man and we want to all, you know, all that kind of stuff and all kinds of gets there, but we have different words that we use and we have different ways to focus on it. Um, you know, my, my, my three values, and I'm thinking about adding a fourth, but it's health, love, and growth. And the fourth one might be simplicity. I haven't, I haven't decided on that yet, but, um, those are the three things. So those are your lighthouse, um, values, you know, like if you have to question, like, is this something that I want to do? Or is this something that I want to own? And okay, well, how does that line up with the values? And how does it line up with the identity that I want to have? If I want to be fit, is this going to help me be a fit person? You know, like, I don't know. There's lots of interesting things. Yeah. That's, it's very similar to, again, going back to the way that I view budgeting from a money standpoint, 
And like one of the things that I've done is I've distilled my life down to like my three highest values, which for me are my most important relationships, um, the experiences that I want to have. Um, and then, you know, kind of like my purpose and my legacy, you know, and then I look at all of my expenses and are they supporting those values? Then I can look at like tactical financial goals, savings goals. Are they supporting mm -hmm. those values? And so I think that's, that's the key. And I, I like thinking in threes, just yeah. like you, I think that helps us to kind of retain it a little bit better and stay committed. Uh, so sticking with talking a little bit about money, um, minimalism, which one of the things that I've found, and it's probably pretty obvious is that it's good for your bank account, right? Because you're not, I think a lot of people think of minimalism and they think of like, somebody who's yeah. a cheapskate or super frugal. And that's not the case. It's just being intentional about where your money is going so that it actually makes you a happier person and gives you better financial well-being. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about just how this mindset has improved your financial situation and got you to a point where like, you've got options. We were talking before we hit record that there's things you can do in your life because you're, you're, you're managing your money properly. So can you talk about that a little bit? I think the biggest thing, um, you know, and I, I do think like the money, like the money was never the thing that drove me into the arms of minimalism, so to speak. But um, it's definitely been a wonderful like side effect of it. And, it. and it comes down to that, like, it's that feeling of enough, right? Like, you know, we use money, uh, we use shopping. People talk about retail therapy all the time. You know, we escape into maybe like alcohol or gambling or whatever. And we're just throwing money away at things that don't always line up with our values. Right. And we're using that to escape or we're using that to feel like more complete, you know, advertising and marketing have done a wonderful job of making us feel like we're incomplete. They're making us feel like we're not, we don't have enough because when we feel that way, we buy stuff <laughs> like, um, mm -hmm. and when you really start questioning the things and you really start putting the work into like decluttering and getting rid of like stuff in your house or stuff on your calendar or stuff in your budget, like you really start questioning, you realize you don't actually need that many things. Like you don't need a thousand board games to have fun with your kids. You know, you know, maybe you need a few just to have variety or you don't and you borrow it. Um, if you have a thousand books, that doesn't mean you're going to read. I actually got rid of all of my books, which I have a few friends that probably will listen to this that have a ton of books. And we've had discussions about that, but I got rid of all my books. And the funny thing that happened is I actually started reading more <laughs> um, because huh. I get all my books from the library now, or I rent them like digitally or borrow them digitally. And, and now I'm on a timeline. So I read the book and then I return it and then I get another one. Um, instead of looking at a, a bookshelf full of things that I bought and I haven't read and all the guilt and shame associated with that, I just don't have that anymore. So that burden is all gone. It's hundreds of hundreds of little sources of guilt that I don't, I don't have to deal with anymore. Somebody else is using them. Um, wow. so like, that's kind of the idea. Um, you know, so I don't really, um, I don't buy, buy books anymore, really. Um, I may start introducing one or two that I re you know, reference all the time, like, uh, no, I won't mention, but, um, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that like, I don't, I, I, since I've questioned so much about things I need and why I have them, I don't, 
I'm not quick to like purchase. I've become extremely thoughtful about my purchases. Um, I've also implemented uh, a rule for myself is a one in two out rule. Um, so every time I go to make a purchase, I have to think, all right, what two things am I going to get rid of? If I buy a coat, I got to get rid of two similar things. And so that helps me slow down and be more intentional with, intentional with my purchases. And that makes me want to buy something that's higher quality, something that I really love, something that I'm going to use all the time. And I've found that like paying full price for the stuff that I need is way cheaper than buying all this crap that's on sale. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just so yeah. funny. Uh, how that works. I mean, I, I own way nicer things. I just own way fewer of them. Um, and that's like, that has had a big impact on, on me financially as well. Yeah. It's so, it's difficult just to be, it requires thoughtfulness, you know, to think about what are the things that are most important and, you know, purchasing quality instead of quantity. Because like you alluded to earlier, we're being bombarded all the time with, all these things that we need to buy, you know, to make us happy and, you know, things that are on sale and all that kind of stuff. So I know we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but can you talk a little bit about the, um, you know, the concept of minimalism from, you know, a mental standpoint as well as a physical standpoint and how those things are kind of intertwined, you know, because I've found that when my physical space is cluttered, then my mental space starts to get a little bit cluttered as well. So do you find that to be pretty common? And what are your thoughts on kind of looking at those things from looking at it from those two? Yeah, it's interesting because this is one of those like chicken or the egg discussions, you know? So one thing yeah. like when you're, when your brain's a little bit cluttered and you're feeling stress, a lot of people like tend to go shopping. Like they tend to think like, what do I need? Right. So like if I'm looking if I'm feeling like a little chaotic and I'm feeling like whatever, it's like, Oh, I can escape and do like retail therapy. Right. <laughs> and like, and yeah. so, um, so I think, I think when we're like unsettled and we're unsure of it and it's like, when we have the money and we can just go do these things, like we'll, you know, we'll go on this trip or we'll buy this thing or we'll take on this project or we'll do it. It's like, it's like, you're trying to like escape, you know, it's like, you're trying to, um, get out of that discomfort of boredom or of the stress or, or, or whatever. But the problem is, is that like clutter actually causes more stress. Like, and actually just yesterday I shared that there's a, uh, there's a direct correlation with the amount of clutter to the amount of stress that we feel. And people don't think about that and they, and they, you know, they don't internalize it, but like every little thing you own is a burden on your brain. Like every little thing that you can see around you is a burden on your, like on your sight, on your vision. Like this is what's it's taking up mental capacity. Um, and, uh, the study actually showed that it was more common in like women. It was very directly, uh, correlated to women that are more stressed because of the clutter, which I thought was super interesting, but I'm totally clutter stresses me out totally. So I don't know that it's not limited, uh, to women. That's for sure. Um, but I think that, I think that one, the clutter is a symptom of like, just like mental clutter, like, like the stress and anxiety and all the things that we're dealing with, because we, we escape to that. We go and buy this thing because we think that'll fix it. But then the thing that we get actually adds to our clutter, 
uh, because now we just have more things to take care of, more things to think about, not to mention the money that we spend on it. So that becomes uh, more of a financial burden. Now you've got more debt maybe that becomes more financial clutter. So it really is um, kind of cyclical. And the only way to like break the cycle is to just stop and think about, think about it. You know, you, uh, Mandolin Mall would say you have to, you know, you have to, it takes intent to be intentional. Like, and you have to be intentional uh, with it and you have to put a stop in like somewhere and just be like, okay, what am I really doing here? Um, and that's, that's what I've done in my life. And that's what I'm helping people do. And it's amazing. It's amazing the impact that it has on people. <laughs> like it's, it's unreal. Hmm. Hmm. So the other area that I I'm interested in, in, you know, kind of where minimalism can be applied is in running a business, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of, you know, solopreneurs out there now. That's mm-hmm. a big trend right now. And a lot of the listeners are maybe contemplating starting their own business at some point. So how do you think of that in, in terms of just running a business from a minimalist standpoint? Well, I, I think, I think it's the same, it's the same concept, right? And it's something that, um, that I've struggled with. And, you know, I'm, you know, I've started this, this journey now, um, uh, with this like mentorship coaching, whatever you want to call it as a, as a side, a side gig. Um, but I think it all comes down to like what you consider to be the highest value and you throw everything you've got at that. Um, like you said, before we hit record, um, talking about all the different things that we could possibly do, you know, I've bounced around from writing books to eBooks, to workbooks, to creating an app to recording a podcast to uh, a newsletter and all there's all these things that you can do um but i decided that the most valuable way i can spend my time is focusing on one-on-one coaching because i think that's the, the highest value all those other things might eventually be useful and and all that but i want to get really really good at that one thing and everything else would just be clutter everything else would just be a distraction um from that. So, um, you know, our friend Lynn would agree with that, you know, simplify, just focus on, on one thing. So I think minimalism really lends itself, um, well, well to that. Yeah. I've been trying to incorporate some of those principles of minimalism into my business. And I go through kind of these stretches where I'm like, okay, I've got it. I've got my focus. And then I get distracted by something else. And, it's kind of like the exact same thing that happens with not, not necessarily the stuff. Like I'm pretty good about that, but um, you know, time, what we talked about earlier, you know, I get distracted on something else. And so I can definitely see how just these concepts apply to many different aspects of our life. And it it just comes down to like, uh, you know, the foundational work that has to go in on the front end which you touched on is what are your values? What are the things that are most important to you? And it's so hard for a lot of people to, to like be comfortable just sitting alone with their thoughts. Like that can be a really scary thing for, for a lot of people, but I think you really need to get comfortable with that, like being alone and really thinking and reflecting and then getting comfortable with having less and not caring about what other people think. And then, becoming comfortable with having more space and downtime and not beating yourself up for not being a productivity guru, you know? And well, what was the quote? Like, 
like all of humanity's problems come down to the fact that we cannot sit quietly in a room by ourselves. Like there's, you know, we have to be going, but it, that's a, it's a, a good quote that I always think about because I, I can't do it. I have a hard time having silence and conversations. It's something I've been trying to do more of. It's one thing that I'm, that I am actively working on, but um, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of thought work like um, to kind of figure it out and you have to really question yourself. The problem is, is that we, we've burdened ourselves with so many stories. You know, we talk about all like we're our own worst enemy or, you know, you're, um, uh, like fear is holding you back. We talk, we talk about all those things and it's so true, but it's so like ingrained in us that it takes a lot to kind of dig out of that sometimes. Um, and, 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 but that's what you need to do. Like what, what is the most important? And guess what? You might be wrong. Like, you know, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, you know, your core values are probably not going to change the words you use might, um, the way you organize it might, like, I don't, I don't know, but the core, the core things are the core things. And we just want to be sure that there are things and not like society's things or what somebody else thinks is important. You know, even our parents or our bosses or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Personally, I've, you know, started eliminating, trying to eliminate things out. And I feel terrible. Like when I say I'm eliminating people out of my life because like, you know, there are people that you've known for a long time and you love them and they're very important to you. But sometimes you have to be honest with yourself and say, are they holding me back from living the life that I want to live? Not what they think of me, not how I used to be. And that's what they expect me to continue being. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you struggled Uh, with that at all? hundred percent. So, um, I think the biggest shift in that for me was when I quit drinking Uh, and I just realized how many of my friends were just my friends because we drank, like we drank together. And frankly, um, if you're, if you're, if you're drinking, that's totally, like totally fine. I'm not judging people that are drinking. I'm not saying that at all. But if that's the only reason that you're together, like you need to question that. Like, are are you friends because of alcohol or is that you're using that to enhance uh, something that's already existing? Um, but then, so alcohol was probably the biggest one. And like, I don't hang out with a lot of people that I used to hang out with. But then interestingly, like minimalism is also kind of that way uh, because people don't quite get it. Um, and like it, like uh, it upsets, it upsets some people, which is, which is interesting. Um, like my family has to deal with it because <laughs> they can't get rid of me, but um you know, I say no a lot more than I used to. I'm a lot more careful with my time. Um, I'm way more protective about my sleep, like all these things. Like I don't, I don't commit to things that I don't absolutely have to commit to. And so like, that's kind of tough for some people, but you know, I'm, I'm putting my, my values first. I'm putting my, my family first. I'm putting my health first and like everything else needs to be lining up with that. Uh, and if it's not, then it, I just don't, I just don't include them anymore. And a lot of people have kind of like naturally left my circle and, and I do feel bad about that, but it's like, well, you know, you hate to call them dead weight, but it kind of was dead weight. Like if that was getting in the way of anything that I consider to be important and see you later. And at the end of the day, like if they're, if they care about you truly, 
then they'll understand that this is something that you're doing because you need to. Right. So I think, uh, for me personally, um, I've always been like a people pleaser. I don't know where that comes from, but it's always been the way I've been. And I just want like everybody to like me. I want everybody to think positively about me and it like crushes me sometimes if they don't. And so that makes it a lot harder to, to kind of like cut people out. Um, so, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that deal with that, but yeah, it is a, a very difficult well, thing I, to do. Well, I think we, I think we all have that to an extent. I'm definitely, I'm definitely that way. I mean, I've gotten better at saying no, I've gotten better at like living the way that I want to live, regardless of what other people like think, you know? And I think it's true that you, um, like anything, anything that you have in your life, you let into your life. Right. And, and you just need to be clear about like why they're there. Um, you know, are they helping you? Is it somebody that you're helping? Is it like, you know, and there's different levels of relationships, of course, and all that stuff. But, um, at the end of the day, like, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do you, you gotta like be true to yourself and yeah. anything that's in the way of that just shouldn't be there. You know, what helped me a lot with this is when I started, when I had children and I started to realize that if I'm not at my best, I can't be at my best for my children. And then I started like kind of rationalizing, like if I'm not at my best, then I'm not going to be at my best for my friends or my family or whatever. So I don't know. I think we have to be comfortable with uh, maybe being a little bit selfish, so to speak. But it's not really selfish. It's trying to be our best for others. Yeah. Right? Well, I, you know, I think, uh, and that's an interesting statement because I think anything we do is selfish. Like even people that are helped, like uh, offering to charity and doing all this, like volunteering and all this stuff, like, yes, they're definitely helping others. Yes, is worthy. Yes. But it makes you feel good. Like, it is like something that like you're yeah. doing for you. So I think I think being selfish is like, okay, as long as you're not like, negatively impacting others, you know, like our first responsibility is to ourselves. And it's funny that you bring up the kids because, you know, that that changed my life too. And, and just a few years ago, I you know, as I was really latching on to the minimalist thing, I was like, I, I actually, um, I, the first, one of the first people that I started following was Josh Becker and his whole story was talking about how, uh, one day he was cleaning his garage again. Meanwhile, his like son was out in the backyard playing by himself. And then he kind of looked around at all the stuff in his garage and he's like, why do I have all this stuff? Like I'm cleaning this instead of playing with my son. And so like that, like really spoke to me and I, started shaping my whole life around that idea. So I just started decluttering the hell out of my house including the garage and all that stuff. And my God, it's, it's changed everything. Like, um, you know, and everything that I did and kept, it was like, what's, you know, what are we, what do we have that's like promoting time together? What do we have that's promoting family time? What do we have that's distracting from that? So this is probably a silly example, but we had a Nintendo switch and we had a PlayStation 4 with the fancy virtual reality and everything. And then I realized that this, like, the, the virtual reality, it's like one player. It's all this, like, it's always like a one-player thing, you know. But the Switch was like, hey, we all play the games together. Like, we play Mario Party or whatever. whatever. 
And, and so we got rid of the PlayStation four because it was distracting from time spent together, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, got rid of the TV in our living room. We have, we have a TV in the basement. So, but like, because we wanted that room to, you know, to talk, to do homework, to read, to draw, to color, like whatever. Um, and so it's it really getting rid of stuff that I felt was in the way of, of that value and, 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 and the kids. Um, and this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal, but people are like that too. You know, like if you're committing to, I don't know, volleyball every week or bowling every week or whatever, and you're taking the time away and you just have to kind of decide like, is that worth your time? And is that lining up with the person that you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it all comes full circle to the value, right? If your value is spending time with your children and your value is the relationship that you have with your family, then eliminate things that are pulling you away from that value. But then the other thing is like, spend money lavishly on things that are going to enhance that. Value, That's right. Right. Like I'll gladly pay someone to come and clean my whole house or do my landscaping, you know, so that I can focus that time when I'm not working on building those relationships and those bonds with my family, you know? So I think if we start thinking both in terms of, again, going back to time and money, if we're spending our time and money on things that genuinely improve the quality of our life, based on our values that's that's kind of the answer easier said yeah. than done but i think that gets us in the it, right direction it's simple right but it's not it's not easy um it's simple yeah. but it's not easy and like to your point like you know the money we spend now like it's on trips it's on like experiences you know it's it's less on stuff um stuff's a distraction like stuff like and it's always disappointing right because you buy that thing, you're like, oh man, if I just had that thing, I'd be so like happy. Like, um, and you get yeah. it and maybe, yeah, you bought it. And so you get that dopamine rush and you get like whatever. And then maybe you ordered it. And so when it arrives, you get that dopamine rush and then maybe you use it, maybe you don't, but then eventually it becomes probably not useful. And then it, it's just a distraction. It's something to clean up. Not to mention all the time you spent getting it. So going to the store, picking it out, buying it, taking it home, unpacking it, all the waste, all this, like, you know, you spend all this time on that thing. And guess what? That used to be money and that money would end up being time. So I've said this before, like, if you look at all that, all the crap that's around us, like all of that stuff used to be money and all of that money used to be time. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like you spend, a, you know, a thousand dollars on a new phone guess what? That's one day of retirement that you don't have anymore or, you know, whatever you're, you're better at the math there, but, but, but that changes the perspective when you start. That's right. That's that. right. So it's like, okay, everything's finite. <laughs> How do I spend it the most, you know, the most valuable way for me? Um, but we do all these things mindlessly. It's so easy to, pick up a $5 coffee at Starbucks. Like it's so easy. It's so easy. And it's so popular. And we use that yeah. to signal like how cool we are. Look at my star. My daughter the other day said the most interesting thing to me. She said, I really want to like pumpkin spice lattes. And I said, <laughs> she's like, but I just don't. And I said, why do you want to like them? She's like, I don't know. 
And then, so then we started having this discussion about like, well, it's popular to like them. So it's like, you want to like them. And I was like, and, and I told her, you know, I, I pride you on not following the group and all that. And so I'm curious to know why you feel like you want to like it, (laughs) you know? And so that was a really good discussion with her. But I think we, I think we all do that. Like, like, yeah, like we want to spend money. We want that fancy car. We want that. Dude. Oh my gosh. The car. That's like the worst thing. And I can attest to that. Like I remember going out and buying this sweet ass luxury car. It had like, um, a moonroof that was like, you know, that the whole car was a, was a moonroof. And then the whole roof like went back. So it opened up, it wasn't yeah. quite a convertible, yeah. but the whole roof opened up and I'm like, this thing yeah. is so badass. And I felt really awesome for like two months. And then I realized I'm sitting in a traffic jam on my way to a job. That I <laughs> freaking hate. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I want, I want to wrap up. We're going a long time here, which is awesome because that means it's a good conversation. Um, but there are two yeah. other questions that I, I want to ask you. One is, um, just from like a, a tactical standpoint, what do you think are little things that people can do to, uh, you know, I guess maybe take back more of their attention. Like I, I remember you talking about how you disabled like notifications mm-hmm. on your phone and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So can you go into that yeah, a little bit? Sure. <clears throat> so, um, a simple thing here to like note it, and again, it, it's almost like the values thing, but if you don't, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, um, like, is it, is it traction or is it distraction? Right. So first of all, like understand what you're trying to accomplish at a set period of time or whatever, and then know anything else like that's distracting you from it. So like all the pings and dings from your phone, like, um, I, I like turned everything off. My phone has been on silent for the last eight years, nine years. Right. So it's in vibrate. It's in my pocket so I can do it, but it's not going to like distract me if I have it in the other room. Um, at night, the phone and the watch goes out in the kitchen to charge overnight and the bedroom becomes completely like, uh, free of electronics. Um, so if I had to say like the single biggest thing that, that helped me with my life in general and from a distraction removal standpoint is get everything out of the bedroom, like get everything out of the bedroom, no phones, no TV, anything electronic, like the bedrooms for sleep and maybe a couple other things. But not for watching TV, not for playing games, not for scrolling on TikTok, not for that. So if I had to say like one thing to do, get all that crap out of your bedroom. Um, but the bigger the bigger discussion becomes like like there's there's time boundaries and then there's like room boundaries. Like so what activities are you trying to accomplish and what else is distraction? So get rid of those distractions. Like if you can, you know, the focus modes on our phone are pretty advanced now. You can set those up in all the different things, but you have to be intentional about that. Right. And then, and then each room also like has a function. So, um, you know, like our kitchen table, we use it. uh, That's where I'm sitting. Um, This is where we eat dinner. This is where we talk and, and, and this is where we do it. So, anything that was on this table, like would not promote sitting there. Like it would all be a distraction, you know? So, um, so the bedroom, probably the first thing, clear surfaces, get rid of them. Um, 
and then, you know, all the notifications on your phone and all that stuff. But it's hard to say for sure what, uh, what people consider to be, um, a distraction, I guess, because you have to know what, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You got to put in that. Not sure that answered your question, but that was a lot. Um, It did. It did. But, and it made me think actually of, uh, like I always, I'm notorious for having my, my phone on silent on sleep mode and my friends will give me shit about it. I'd be like, dude, you're like on silent all week long. I'm like, yeah, well that's because I tend to get anxiety and that enhances it. And, and guess what? They're still my friend. They still hang out with me. They're not mad at me. So again, going back to that point about trying to take care of yourself without, without really worrying too much about what other people think. I, I think if you're honest with people, they'll respect that's, your decision. That's a hundred percent. And I think, um, I like this quote too. Uh, basically like people that are upset with you setting boundaries are the reason that you need boundaries. Mm, and so like yes. those, those personal boundaries, you know, you gotta be just crystal clear with them. Like, you know, I'm done like forever and in, in a day, I would be available 24 seven for people at work. I would have my email on my phone. I did. Eventually I got to a point where like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm, I'm not, I took the email off of my, my phone so I don't get work emails at night. That was a huge distraction for me. It caused a lot of stress. You can't do anything about it anyway. Um, so if people want to get a hold of me, they have to call, they have to text and everybody at work knows it. Um, even at work, I don't check my email nonstop. I have three times a day. <laughs> that I check my email and people know that like they know like if they need me like they can't count on an email to be a conversation which it shouldn't be anyway you know like like just come see me just call me just text me then I'll then I'll get back to you um but again everything's kind of personal um you know some people have to be on call and accessible all the time and I'd argue they really don't but you know yeah if you're a doctor and you're saving lives then okay yeah so one last question I want to ask, and it's completely off topic, but Let's do it. a while back, I remember you were talking to me about one of your jobs I, that you had. I think it was in high school where you worked at Express and I forget there was like a promotion or something you were trying to sell to get customers to, to sign up or something. And you talked about like, uh, sexy indifference, I think. And so, uh, I I've actually like started using a little bit of that as I'm building my business, cause you don't want to come across as desperate. Right. So I, I just felt like that was really good advice. I don't know if you intended it to be sales advice, but it was, and I think sales advice is good for anyone who's thinking about starting a business. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I was uh, in college at Ohio state and I was in Columbus, which is actually where the express headquarters is the limited headquarters uh, was at the time. And, um, and I was working at the, uh, at the, uh, the checkout, uh, at the at the women's clothing store, and so one of the biggest things that corporations push is credit cards, right? And by the way, that could be a whole other topic for us one day. But um, but we got rewarded for getting people to open credit cards, right? And so there's a couple things that really helped me out with that. One is that I didn't care um, if they opened a credit card or not, you know. And all I did was kind of educate them on the benefits of it in kind of a nonchalant way. Like, 
oh, hey, you, you know, your bill's like $180. And I was able to do the math quick in my head at that time. So I was like, you know, you could save like $27 if you open this credit card. Um, and, and, and I was like, and you can even pay it off right now. Like if you just want to pay it off, like, and I was like, it takes a few seconds. It's really not a big deal, but if you want to do that, you can. And I would just kind of move on and they'd be like, Oh, okay. But anyway, I was very nonchalant about it. I was very like indifferent and yet I outperformed everyone. So like all the, all the, and it was just me and a bunch of ladies and all the other ladies would like, Oh, they would buy mine. You can do that. Just like, you know, like you just, just like nails on a chalkboard, but you know, they thought like, that's how I sell and that's how I do it. And that's how I, and I'm like, they're like, how do you do it? And I was like, because I don't care. You know, it's like, um, it's that sexy indifference. Like, you know, people smell desperation. People know when you're trying to sell to them, you know, it's like my education to them was like, here's the value. It's up to you. It doesn't matter to me. And because it didn't matter to me, they knew I wasn't trying to sell to them. Like, it was like, this is the value. If you want to save that $27, we can do it. And I was able to also remove the friction of like saying, you can pay it off right now. You don't even have to carry the balance, you know? And it didn't matter to Express if they paid it off there because once they have the credit card, they get the coupons, they get the emails, they get all these things. They have this commitment to the company now. So it's like, uh, it didn't matter. And so I was able, to, I won every time, every time. By a lot. Like it wasn't even close. Like, um, yeah. And so to t I'll take that and just tie everything up here because I feel like minimalism helps you get to a point where you've got enough and you're not worried about having more all the time. So then you can come to people and say, hey, I created this business that's really awesome and really helpful for my ideal client take it or leave it. You know, uh, I, re I would really like to help you, but because I live my life according to my values and because I'm intentional with my time and my money, I don't need the business. And by default, they're going things will probably work out well, just like they did when you were at express. So very interesting stuff, man. Um, thanks for coming on. I'm, uh, always, always enjoy talking to you. I'm glad we met on LinkedIn. Yeah, same here, man. This has been really fun. So you're on LinkedIn, Jimmy Helmick. Uh, where else can people go? Have you created a website? Do you have any other social platforms? Not yet. Keeping it minimal. <laughs> Keeping it minimal. So check out Jimmy Helmick on LinkedIn. Always some good tips on minimalism. Thank you, my friend. All right, buddy. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Dot com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.